Hello, listeners. Today is Wednesday, November 2nd. Welcome to Behind the Numbers, Reimagining Retail, an eMarketer podcast. This is the show where we talk about how retail collides with every part of our lives. I'm your host, Sarah Lebo. Today, we'll be discussing what a Kroger-Albertsons merger tells us about the future of retail media networks. Joining us today is Principal Analyst Andrew Lipsman. Welcome, Andrew. Hey, Sarah. And also here with us is Senior Analyst Zach Stambor. Hey, Zach. Hi, Sarah. All right, let's get started with our first segment, News and Reviews, where I give the news and our guests tell me their reviews. Today's headline is from an October press release that states, Temu offers free express shipping to further cut delivery time. Temu, the e-commerce app owned by Pinduoduo, will offer free one-week shipping on orders over $99, which is way faster than its normal 7 to 15-day timeline. $99 is actually a lot in Temu terms because the prices are so ridiculously low on that website. Andrew, your review of this headline in 60 seconds is... I wish I had a better take on this. I have to play a little bit dumb, but I find Temu, Timu very interesting as it comes to the market. I think like other well-funded Chinese forays into the U.S. market, it's been able to get a lot of downloads very quickly. In fact, I think it hit number one on the app download list for retail apps yeah. recently. So it's getting adoption. And we saw this a similar play a couple of years ago with Wish.com. Also trafficking in very cheap product from China. So my initial take is I don't know that this slightly shortened timeline is going to really incentivize people. They're buying it for the cheap goods and probably less so for the timing. But maybe in the holiday season, that's a time when people do really want to make sure that their products get there. So if they're trying to buy some cheap holiday gifts, this is a good incentive to try and get them over that $100 threshold, which as you said, means buying a lot of stuff. Yeah, it really does. Jackets on there are like $5. It's crazy. Zach, your review of this headline in 60 seconds is... So the stuff on Timu is so ridiculously cheap that $99 is really difficult to reach. That said, I think they are recognizing and addressing one of the key barriers that generally keep people from buying stuff directly from China. And that's the fact that it usually takes forever for it to arrive at your door. The other piece, of course, is quality. But I I actually don't think that's too much of a concern given the fact that if you're buying an iPhone case for $1.98 or a jacket for about five bucks, that you actually care too much about the quality. Yeah, I was looking through the website earlier today trying to figure out what you could possibly put in your cart to get it over $99. And the most expensive thing I found there was consumer electronics, like headphones and things. So I think Andrew's spot on with this being definitely a strategic move ahead of the holidays. We will keep moving. So now it's time for our next segment, Retail Me This, Retail Me That, where we discuss an interesting retail topic. Today's topic is what a Kroger-Albertsons merger tells us about the future of retail media networks. Kroger announced in mid-October its intentions to acquire Albertsons, a deal that will result in an enterprise value of approximately $24.6 billion, according to Kroger's press release. The release states that the combined company will be able to reach an expanded national audience of approximately 85 million households nationwide, fueling growth in alternative profit businesses such as retail media. 
this is a big deal, quite literally. It also might not happen. Several senators have raised antitrust concerns about the $25 billion deal. So I will start with an open question for you, Andrew. How should we be thinking about this merger? Yeah, well, I think you said it in the lead in. Well, the antitrust issues will loom over this for a while. But putting that aside for a moment, the key rationale is retail media. And it's almost amazing that they stated that so explicitly up front. You know, grocery is a thin margin business and it's all about future profitability. And large grocers have a huge opportunity for high margin revenue. So the rationale is clear as day. It also, I think, you know, we've been banging the drum over here on retail media for a few years. It's one of those things that has not really kind of trickled up into the financial press yet. The Kroger-Albertsons merger was the first time that I saw actual discussion of retail media as an alternate revenue. You'd, you'd hear talk about Amazon advertising revenue and things like that, but never retail media. So it's really having a moment now as a result of this. Now, just to, to speak broadly about the capabilities that they have, you know, they have two great retail media teams talent-wise, bring those together. You have this huge footprint of stores that is about 5,000 combined. They may have to divest stores if this goes through, but that's a, a lot of really formidable asset and then very high quality first-party data through loyalty card data. So all the pieces are there to be a major player in a large, fast-growing space. Okay, so before we dive deeper into what the retail media implications really could be specifically, Zach, is this deal going to happen? I actually am not sure if it is going to happen. And there are several reasons for this. So the first is if you look just at where these two companies are in terms of the supermarket space, if you include Costco and Walmart, they are the first and second largest supermarket chains with significant overlap in several markets, including in Phoenix, Dallas, Fort Worth area, and Chicago. And the deal will require this combined company to sell off somewhere between like 100 and 375 locations. And because of that, it's likely to face a tougher view at the FTC where Lena Khan is the chair, and she's expressed a lot of skepticism about grocery mergers in particular. When Albertsons bought Safeway, she called it a spectacular failure after Albertsons sold off 168 stores, but then bought back 33 stores like less than a year later. So I just don't know if she's going to let this one through. And then beyond that, in the Senate, there's a lot of skepticism and they don't really have much say in the matter, but they can shine a light on it. And it's really a bipartisan group. It's everyone from like Mike Lee, the Utah senator, who's a Republican, to Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar. And so I really don't know that this is actually going to happen. Andrew, I see you making a face. Do you have anything to add to that? I agree. I think it's an interesting test. I will say the political backdrop is interesting because of inflation, which is affecting both red and blue. So that makes it harder, probably, even though they will say that, you know, this merger will allow them to deliver lower prices. There's always skepticism about consolidating market power. So now it's a fragmented industry. And I think in traditional tests, you know, the combined market share wouldn't be prohibitive on its face. But this FTC doesn't seem to be letting a lot go through. And what's not clear quite yet is, are they not allowing big tech specifically to make acquisitions? Or are they looking at any sort of industry behemoths? Um, we don't really know yet. 
I think that's a good lead into sort of the next prong of this conversation. You're talking about big tech. In a lot of ways, what we're talking about with retail media, like these grocery stores are in some ways big tech of their own. Maybe I'm making too much of a stretch there, but there's really huge potential for the retail media network or the retailer owned advertising platform. It's huge. Andrew, according to your recent analyst note, retail media is expected to be a $40 billion category this year, which is more than triple what it was in 2019. So what are the retail media implications of this deal, absent of really predicting the future? I mean, I I think, you know, we've seen tremendous growth in retail media, but it's mostly been driven by online search. Increasingly, the future of retail media, which has a lot of legs of growth in front of it, goes through the physical store, physical store data. So this huge treasure trove of offline sales data can be used, number one, to target ads specifically in streaming TV environments. That's a huge new area of growth that we're starting to see manifest with Amazon NFL Thursday Night Football, Walmart and Trade Desk Partnership. So that's the first one. The second one is just changing the equation of return on ad spend by pulling in offline sales data. So when you deliver an online campaign, does that drive online and offline sales? Right now, we're just really accounting for online in most campaign measurement. If you can account for offline, you might see that your return on ad spend of $4 goes up to $6, maybe $8, maybe $10. And that starts to funnel in a lot more investment. And then the last one is the rise of, we're very early in this trend, but the rise of in-store retail media. Stores are the new next new media channel. And they can deliver brand impressions at scale to people who are, you know, in contextually relevant environments, brand safe environments and ready to actually purchase. So that's a huge opportunity. And, you know, whoever has the biggest footprint can also have the most screens. And that's going to become a really interesting media channel in and of its own right. Go ahead, Zach. I just want to talk about very briefly about the importance of offline when we're talking about groceries. Offline, regardless of category, is where the vast majority of retail sales are. But in the grocery space in particular, it's all the more important because it's like 90% of grocery sales. And even as digital grocery sales rise, we only expect it to be about 15% by 2026, which means 85% of grocery sales are offline. So it's really important to gauge how advertising is impacting that share of sales. Yeah, this in-store experience. I think it's really interesting. We like I I just feel like the e-commerce conversation for so long has been like we're moving away from stores, but like really we're going omni-channel especially with grocery to borrow some language From Andrew, your analyst note again, you were referred to um, analog experiences at store shelves, end caps, cooler doors, and checkout aisles being replaced with dynamic, interactive digital experiences. I guess to sum that up into a question, like why is in-store retail media such a big deal in this merger in particular? It starts with the size of the footprint. I think also it has to do with the data that they bring to bear. I think a really important part of Kroger's value proposition in the retail media market is they're really best in class at first party data. They have high uh, integrity of their loyalty card data, about 96 or 97% of transactions go through their loyalty card. Same can't be said for Walmart, for example, which has a lot of cash transactions. So that data is, is like, as close to pristine as you can get in this industry. Albertsons, you know, also has good loyalty guard data. So you bring those high quality assets to bear. And then also the scale of that footprint of, let's say 5,000 stores minus a few hundred. It's 
Walmart scale with yeah. maybe better data. That's pretty promising. <laughs> maybe this is uh, too prescriptive, but I don't know. How should Walmart be reacting to this? What do you think is going on in Walmart execs' heads right now? I mean, listen, it's a competitive space. So I think they're all watching what the other ones are doing. I will say it's not a zero-sum game. I think I, when I look across the landscape right now, whether it's Amazon, Instacart, Walmart, Kroger, Albertsons, I look at their retail media opportunity and I say it looks amazing for all of them. They all have unique assets to bring to the equation. So there's going to be plenty of growth for all of them to have. And maybe the competition actually helps accelerate their revenue growth by causing them to innovate faster and up their own game. And that's exactly what I think is happening here with with this merger. Sure. This is what we talked about, you, Blake, and I, on our grocery episode, which came out the day that this merger news dropped. All of these big players have different strengths. So it's interesting to see them compete, but using totally different tactics. Yeah. I just want to offer a counterpoint to Andrew's point that it's not a zero-sum game. It's not a zero-sum game, but there are so only so many ad dollars to go around. And so... There is a lot of competition out there. And as these networks grow more sophisticated, it, the competition is only going to intensify and make the competition steeper. Yeah. And I think at this point in time, you kind of have a clear top three in terms of digital grocery market share with Amazon, Walmart, and Instacart. Kroger is a clear four, but you put Alberts in it. To me at that point, like there's a clear big four. They all have interesting strengths and weaknesses. And if you're a CPG brand, Believe me, you are buying across all of them. You probably are anyway, but they're all must-haves. It's true. You basically have no choice. <laughs> yeah, there are only so many ad dollars to go around, but there are more ad dollars every year and more digital ad dollars every year. All right. I want to hear more about all of these big four brands. But before that, let's take a quick break. Commerce marketers are under incredible pressure to deliver results. The timely intelligence, insights, and data delivered in eMarketer's Retail Daily Newsletter give marketers the tools they need to react and succeed. The Daily Newsletter features deep coverage on how top brands are handling their marketing, advertising, customer engagement, and more. And unlike other newsletters, we pair our insights on recent news with the research, analysis, and forecasting that sets eMarketer and insider intelligence apart. Subscribe to Retail Daily today. Welcome back from the break. It's time for our segment, Red Hot Retail. This is our guests' opportunity to give us their very specific and potentially risky predictions on a topic. The predictions can be mild, medium, spicy, or extra hot. The higher the spice level, the riskier the prediction. Our guests will tell me what spice level to expect and then share the prediction. Today, I want Zach and Andrew to predict three potential big deals in retail media. So Andrew, why don't you go first? Give me a spice level and a prediction. So this one's going to be a medium spice level and uh, I'll play off of our previous conversation of Kroger and Albertson. So first, the caveat, let's assume this merger goes through. They're going to need to continue building out their retail media value proposition and, and fortify the physical store fortress. So I think there's some technologies that could be on the table for acquisition. I'll list one and there could be other players here, but I'll just take an example of Vive, which is a smart cart. It uses AI and you know ultimately is another retail media platform because you have a digital screen on the cart that can enable some personalization and use for 
coupons and loyalty card use. So that's the first one. The second one is I do think increasingly computer vision and maybe in service of cashierless checkout if that becomes much more of a thing, but specifically to be able to kind of track the path to purchase for consumers in the store and see what they buy after they're exposed to different media in the store. So the second one would be uh, Grab and Go, which is one of these computer vision technology providers. Okay. So the Kroger Albertsons conglomerate making deals with Aviv and with Grab and Go. There you go. That sounds medium to me. I think that the technologies that you're describing would be a little more mild. I think that it's sort of a given that we're moving towards smart carts, but naming these companies in particular definitely pushes it to medium. Also, you get extra points for using the phrase fortify the physical store fortress. Not that we're scoring this. That's Marcus's job on the weekly listen. All right. Let's hear a spice level and a prediction from you, Zach. Yeah, I'll go spicy. We didn't really talk about CTV, but I want to talk about it here. And it's Walmart buying Roku. Roku has been an acquisition target or a potential acquisition target for just about like every company under the sun. Comcast has been mentioned as a potential buyer, Netflix, and the list goes on the line. But I think this just makes a whole lot of sense from so many different angles. Roku is the dominant player in terms of the devices that people use in terms of streaming TV. It accounts for like 52% of streaming TV users use Roku. It accounts for about 10% of connected TV ad spending. It has grown increasingly sophisticated in terms of its ability to track viewership across devices. And it's growing increasingly close to Walmart lately, both with its physical products. It recently began selling a suite of smart home products, as well as an advertising where it's a key partner in Walmart's ad tech platforms push to better gauge how CTV ads influence consumers' purchase decisions. Beyond that, Amazon has its Fire Stick, Google has its Chromecast, so why shouldn't Walmart also have its own device? I believe the 50% because I have a Roku in the room to my right and a Fire Stick in the room to my left. You can't see where I am, but that's accurate. Kroger and Roku already have a partnership. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. Kroger is powering ads on Roku currently. So yeah, it definitely would bring some complications, but you can see the value proposition already. All right. I mean, all of these seem pretty spicy to me because I asked you guys to name specific companies. I think that like the behaviors you're describing would be mild, but any perspective acquisition feels pretty spicy to me. All right. Andrew, can you give us the third potential big deal in retail media and its spice level? So I think we'll go for extra spicy here. Ghost pepper spicy. So I think... I see a really strong rationale for Microsoft acquiring Instacart. What? Um, Instacart. (laughs) Instacart. So now is a good time to buy in general. A lot of these companies have seen their valuations cut. I think Instacart uh, most recently rumored at about a $13 billion valuation. It's kind of a drop in the bucket for Microsoft. But the rationale is that, you know, Microsoft's been very quietly building the store of the future and being the kind of independent platform that's not going to compete with retailers like Amazon would. 
And Instacart has kind of a similar value proposition, but they've been, you know, a consumer entry point and serving the space pretty well. They also just launched their connected stores platform. So the platform is already there. And I just see the pieces kind of fitting together nicely where they could become that really amazing apparatus to power the digitization of the store for the entire rest of retail that is not named Amazon. It kind of makes sense. And I think the money makes sense. And it's also an acquisition that if it was tried, probably would not get through. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was just going to say. We're talking about we're talking about something that like Microsoft getting into grocery and specifically via Instacart, uh, it seems like it would definitely raise some antitrust red flags. But I hate to say it too, but it does make sense in theory. Do you think it would still be worth Microsoft making that play if it probably wouldn't go through? I mean, the level of difficulty right now is like twice as hard because they're already trying to push through Activision Blizzard. <laughs> so so they're, they've already got the FTC all over them there. They obviously have the history of Microsoft and antitrust concerns. So it seems hard. It seems hard to pull off, but it just it still makes sense to me. Maybe we'll check in again after midterms next week to discuss how likely this one seems. There you go. All right. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining me today, Andrew. Thanks, Sarah. And thank you, Zach. Thank you. Please give us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on Instagram at behind the numbers underscore podcast. Thank you, listeners, and to Victoria, who edits the podcast and would never raise antitrust concerns because I trust her. We will be back next Wednesday with another episode of Reimagining Retail. And tomorrow, join Marcus for another episode of the Behind the Numbers Daily, an eMarketer podcast. Thank you.